Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, I speak with interesting people in pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic medicine. Today, we're going to step outside the pathology field, but the topic is very relevant to our field, that being social media. My guest is Dr. Donna Coriel. Dr. Coriel is an internist turned social media expert and the founder of SoMeDocs, or Doctors on Social Media. We're going to learn why it's important to have an online presence and some of the ways to do that correctly. And we'll hear about some of the ways that SoMeDocs can help with this process. All right, here's Dr. Donna Coriel. We're going to talk quite a bit about your website and, and company, I guess, SoMeDocs. But before we get into that, I want to spend some time just talking about you and sort of your story. So can you tell us about your path into medicine? And then, of course, you're an internal medicine doctor. So then, then how you got interested in that as a, as a specialty? Sure, absolutely. Well, I am an only child. Um, I immigrated here at the age of 10. And I, uh, because I guess because I'm an only child, I mean, I always like to dissect my past. I really like that. I really always really enjoyed connection, uh, maybe because it was sort of lonely growing up. I didn't have brothers or sisters. I had a very small family. So I really enjoyed human connection. Um, to me, human connection is everything. Um, I think that that has guided and shaped me into choosing both medicine and internal medicine, I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't just pick one organ. I wanted every organ covered. It was just, to me, it was more interesting that way. And also I just really wanted to meet people and have that long-term relationship of, um, of, of humans where I continued seeing them and they sort of almost became like a family in a way. So Okay. You said you immigrated here when you were 10 from where? I was born in Israel. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And now I think you mentioned the human connection thing that obviously continues uh, throughout what you're, what you're doing now. Absolutely. In fact, yeah. it's so funny you said that because I've seen a lot of your work on LinkedIn and you've seen a lot of my work on LinkedIn and there's no better place for, 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 for let's put it this way because I'm the social media person, but for professional connection, there's really probably no better place professionally, at least than LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a good point to professional connection that, that, I mean, that's different than sort of personal connection, I guess, like something like, like Facebook, would you say? I would, I would. I think that there are certainly more personal connections that could be made on LinkedIn, but primarily it is more of a professional platform where you go and for example, you wouldn't really, necessarily want to share pictures of your family regularly because again people go there to really to be prof to have professional discussions um and yes on facebook it tends to be a bit more personal um i do find that medicine has slowly um infiltrated that space uh, as well as other spaces like instagram and even you know pinterest but, sure uh, sure but at the same time yeah, I think that in Facebook, we do get a bit more personal. So that can be a little bit um, hairy for some doctors. Right. And by the way, but that's why there's doctors only spaces and why SoMeDocs on Facebook exists in several different um, spaces. One is public meant for something not important for this conversation, but there's a space that's only for doctors so that we're more comfortable speaking about our social media 
journeys and such, and that there's nobody that's not a doctor there. Okay. While you were working in internal medicine, you took a break uh, for a little while. I think you had young children at the time. And this is when you started, uh, I, th- I think, as you put it, sort of dabbling in social media. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I took a break to be home for my third son um, to almost like reconnect with my children, quote unquote, actually give have given a lecture about this. So I won't go into it, but but the feeling as a physician that I was not properly connected with my children because I was so preoccupied and so busy and then taking that really that fairly long break and realizing that I was connected all along. I just needed to connect with myself <laughs> because okay. in medicine, um, I, I'm, I believe that medicine is medicine is a hard journey and a hard path. And many of us don't get to adequately connect with ourselves or explore life as others would uh, because we are so committed to medicine and it requires so much of our energy. So yeah, taking that break really helped me um, to step away from all of those requirements that take your attention away from quote life. And I had tons of self-discoveries then. So I discovered talents that I had and, and that helped in leading to my decision uh, to step away from medicine. Although the prime, the primary reason for leaving was that I was increasingly disheartened by um, healthcare and the way that it was run, especially in a primary care setting and in an organizational setting. I just became, you know, I became disillusioned by it. And by that increasing lack of connection that I always loved. And I realized that it wasn't me that was not connecting. It was all of the parameters around me that were contributing to me not being able to properly connect and then properly heal. So, um, and then the third factor for stepping away was that I had already founded my company. And so, you know, those kind of three things. and, And again, the second part that I talked about the breaks in healthcare was really the primary issue for me stepping away. And there would not be sufficient time in one podcast or even a season of a podcast to go into the different things that I experienced that I felt contribute to the breaks in healthcare. But I had founded Zomidocs and so I believed in it. And I actually believed that it could help to shape healthcare and at least fix it in some small sense. Uh, and so I decided to commit myself fully to it. I'm curious though, like when you were starting out and you were doing some work in social media, at what point did you did you think you know I could make a company out of this? Great question. Uh, I, when I when my when my professional career advanced, I realized just how powerful this tool is in our hands called social media, and that someone like me, right, who isn't necessarily academic. So, for example, some some opportunities that typically are given to academicians. They were opened up to me and it was incredibly humbling, but it was also incredibly eye-opening to being able to sort of publicize our talents in a way that we would publicize our intellect and our hard work in a study in the traditional ways. It was suddenly apparent to me that I could also do that in a different way. I could build an on by building an online brand which we, I know that we probably are going to talk about, but mm-hmm. by building an online brand, I could get people to understand how 
you know, forward thinking I was and how much many ideas I had and how creative I was. And that subsequently I would be an asset to projects or to conferences, to speaking engagements, et cetera. And so I decided to do that for other doctors because I also, that whole break in healthcare that I just spoke about, I felt frustrated that I couldn't change it alone just because I felt like I was broken from healthcare. I didn't feel like I could uh, put a dent in healthcare, but I feel like if I can arm physicians and sort of teach them how to voice their messages in a professional way, but like in a way online that's creative and that draws attention that Mm -hmm. we together uh, impact change. Okay. Okay. So now was this the original uh, purpose then for so me docs, which by the way, we should define. So, so me docs is doctors on social media. Absolutely. Thank right. you for that. It is social okay. media doctors. Exactly. Okay. So the, the, the original purpose for, for the company of the website was to help promote doctors online. 100%. And okay. to help, that, well, to has, help teach them first. Okay. And then to help promote them is what, um, right, is what sort of evolved from that as well. Okay. Now, has the purpose changed at all or evolved over time, or is it still the same as it was? Oh, wow. 100%. Thank you for touching on this because that's, you know, I've become an entrepreneur and um, I've learned over the years just how much evolving is important and being open to evolve to evolving because we don't learn that in medicine and we're actually, less of an evolutionary uh, field. Uh, and for a reason, right? We believe in evidence-based medicine. And so we can't just put an idea out there and go with it. Whereas in entrepreneurship, that's actually key to success is just constantly keeping up with the latest trends and sort of being able to adjust yourself and be flexible in many ways. That's sort of the cornerstone of success in entrepreneurship. So yes, my company has significantly involved, evolved. Um, and we now, our newest tagline is we uh, fuel healthcare innovators or innovation. And we do that by sort of teaching physicians what branding is, teaching them the tools of, of online brands. And then furthermore, doing what you said, which is promoting it. We have really unique ways to both market and distribute physicians and their uh sort of their brands, their intellectual property, et cetera. How did you initially start to get the word out to other doctors? How did you market this to them? And then what kind of response did you get from them? Great questions. Uh, it evolved naturally. I, I Docs has grown organically, um, you know, by bits here. It, like it really evolved from thought leadership, from me putting out there consistently, that um, not just that I believed in branding, but actually having conversations online with people that showed that I was forward thinking and then having them interested in my work and being able to tell them, well, you know, you can come to SomiDocs. If they were physicians, they could come to the Facebook group. But now if they're physicians or non-physicians, they could come to SomiDocs.com where everything is sort of the central hub and they could start to look around and see all of the multiple resources and hopefully sort of place themselves in the path where they belong in order to grow. Uh, just because SomiDocs is a big entity and encompasses a lot, 
and it can be a bit overwhelming. And so you really need to sometimes say, well, this is what who I am and where I am. What resource best helps me in SomiDocs? I heard you on another podcast and I, I forget which one it was, but I think the host said something like, you know, doctors are trained not to uh, promote themselves and just, you know, do the work and, and let it go at that. And as you were spreading the word about Somi Docs, did you get that kind of response from anybody like, you know, I don't really want to, you know, be promoting myself online like that? Yeah, 100% all the time. I think we're humble people as um, a field. (laughs) I think we're used to being private. I think we are just, we're not salesy. We've never had to sell also. And and promoting yourself is somewhat of a sale, right? It's somewhat of, it's marketing. We've Mm -hmm. never had to do that. We have had our organizations do it for us, for example, right? Like our hospitals have to market us. We just have to heal. But in the 21st century, or especially in 2021, that's increasingly becoming different. As doctors are getting more and more disillusioned uh, by the field of medicine, or as doctors at least want to do other things by using the online uh, that we can discuss in terms of the benefits of being online, they're finding that they really need to somehow promote themselves. I hate promoting myself too, but A, there's a way to do that indirectly. There's a way to, like I said, to build thought leadership where you're not promoting yourself, but you're putting down thoughts that show people that you are an innovator or that you are future thinking, et cetera. And then additionally, that's why I built Somidox in a way. That's why I sort of made sure that I had that arm evolve of the marketing and distribution because I take doctors that are amazing. To me, doctors are amazing. They're experts in health. So I take them and I kind of try to infuse uniqueness into their their brand right they have their individual brand that's not nothing of mine but i put them into projects that just are different so that they're they can be represented in work that makes people interested in them and then follow them as a consequence we've been kind of touching on this a little bit as we've been going along so i want to talk about the importance of having an online presence and so first is this something for everyone? Should every doctor, should every medical professional have an online presence? That's a difficult question. And here's why my gut says yes, because it's the 21st century. Um, but, mm-hmm. but realistically, I don't think everybody should necessarily just jump into it. It's a double-edged sword. It's definitely a powerful tool, um, but it's powerful in both ways. There's times where I've needed to step back and just give myself a bit of a break. There's times when people need to completely log off for um, sometimes significant periods of time uh, because yes. let's say they've made a mistake that is that was was well intended on their part, but was interpreted not well. And that's one of the negatives of the online. So I don't think everybody has to, but everyone should heavily consider it as a way to promoting their careers. I guess if you're a physician that's perfectly happy in your job and you're not interested in any of the benefits that it can um, offer, or if the negatives so far outweigh the positives that you don't want to give it a, a, a chance, then then in that case, you don't necessarily have to hop on board, but just keep it in the back of your mind as an option and maybe just 
watch the rest of us and what we do. I think some in the medical field, they might be reluctant to use social media. Maybe there's concerns over, you know, maybe their employer is watching or some kind of legal concerns, things like that. Do Do you think that's a valid concern for not using social media? Very valid. So this, first of all, this needs to be an ongoing discussion in the medical profession is this use of the online world. And, you know, I see it happening, but I often see it happening from an academic perspective. And I think that medicine is multifaceted in and of itself. I think there's other ways to practice medicine than in academic setting. So I do actually think that the same rules can apply and yet different rules can apply because for example physicians in private practice that don't aren't in an organizational setting or aren't in an academic setting may want to promote themselves in different ways and may not have that sort of need to conform to um, anyone else's rules and that may help them to promote themselves a bit more uniquely so that needs to be an ongoing discussion and People need to see what's out there. And that's sort of what I'm trying to do in SOMEDOCS in the various projects is to sort of highlight physicians and what they're doing. Um, but yeah, secondly, there needs, we need to be extra careful because of those simply for one thing. And that's those two letters that follow our name. Some mm-hmm. case four letters if you obtained your degree internationally, but we need to watch what we say and what we do. And that's an, un- an unfortunate reality of today, just because I really, I love creativity. And I think it stifles our creativity sometimes to not be able to, to have to watch our backs. But yeah, people take what we say seriously, and they watch us uh, very closely, and they can misinterpret what we say. And sometimes that degree just draws in um, more scrutiny. And mm-hmm. Sometimes unfairly, because we're judged more harshly than a typical human. And to me, that seems a bit unfair. And yet, I do realize that those two letters do carry a responsibility, do make us carry this responsibility. But the question is, where's that balance? Right, right. And I think sometimes that criticism or that scrutiny is a bit, it can be a bit unfounded. I mean, especially these days, everybody can be or think they are an expert on, oh, I don't know, epidemiology or something like that during a pandemic by readings about uh, a virus on Wikipedia. And I think they then channel that back at people who actually do know uh, what they're talking about. Yeah, agreed. That's the part of being online that I call beating pseudoscience. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the part where we can... um, promote evidence-based medicine work and promote having experts, the ones that are, that are listened to basically. Um, But again, I've seen some things evolve from that as well that are a bit complicated and I probably wouldn't want to get into in this podcast, but sure. I think that beating pseudoscience is one of the objectives of getting physicians online. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I mean, doctors are the experts and you've got a lot of opinions from other people and, and perhaps the medical community is a little bit behind in not expressing their opinions on those things. Well, that's why I, that's why I sort of went in kind of inserted myself online so many years ago when I took that break, that's why I inserted myself into there. I, 
saw that everybody was basically, quote, living there, was discussing there, their lives were being influenced by the things their friends were saying. And then I saw it crossed over into health. And I imagined the future in which literally we were getting all of our health advice online because, you know, it was still not really that way. And so that's why I kind of put myself in it, but I didn't give out health advice because of all those things that still scare doctors today. I decided to just kind of place myself out there and start to show everyone that I was a human because it bothered me that we were unfairly, harshly judged and we were sort of being looked at with such scrutiny. I decided to just kind of open up a window to my life and share a bit of creativity. Um, it was looked, you know, people were definitely looking at me sideways and rolling their eyes and saying, you know, metaphorically kind of saying like, why are you doing what you're doing? But I was dabbling and I was experimenting and I was kind of pushing the envelope to see like, what can physicians do? Mm -hmm. And then of course it evolved into what I'm doing today, which is, you know, somewhat different, but started out uh, in that way. In pathology, a lot, a lot of pathology is image-based. You know, there's, there's photos of specimens, there's, there's, you know, microscopic photos as well. And some people do share those online. I mean, the, the, pathology Twitter community, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I always hear people say, oh, you know, that's a, that's a HIPAA violation, but it's really not. But HIPAA though, that's a, that's a big concern. I imagine for a lot of doctors when it comes to getting on social media, would you say? Absolutely. I think that again, it goes back to the respect of our profession and it goes back to, um, maintaining the respect and the trust of the patients that come to see us in, seeing a physician behind closed doors and not having to worry about their sharing anything online that could disclose their um, their identity. And yet, I also am someone who so values stories um, and the impact of stories and physicians, especially as storytellers. The question is just finding that balance of really, really ensuring that the stories that we tell are done in a way that completely, again, maintains the trust of our patients. That's a hard balance to, to find and to, to walk, right? It's, it's a hard, it's a fine line to walk. So I do think that we can actually make greater impact if we start to share what happens um, behind closed doors, because that's actually how we start to innovate is, and we start to change things around. But again, I think that we have to be careful in doing it as a profession. Yeah, absolutely. In one of your videos, I think it was a YouTube video, you talk about building an online brand as a way for physicians to regain control. So first then let's, let's sort of define what does that mean? An online brand? Okay. So an online brand is, is essentially definition wise, a, a product that's manufactured by a company under a particular name. But nowadays we sort of use that term in a different way where it comes to doctors. Um, I usually refer to the packaging of intellectual property as a product, right? Because we don't actually sell a product. We're not selling a makeup kit and we're not selling a t-shirt. We're sort of, and we're not really, many times we're not really quote, selling anything at all. We're, but we are 
we do need to view our online presence in an entrepreneurial way because we want to grow followers. And so we want to essentially, quote, sell our product in that we are sharing thoughts. And to me, that's intellectual property. And so basically, we are packaging up our thoughts. And that's what I call intellectual property. And that's what I mean by, quote, selling it. You can actually sell it. There are ways to actually build courses and build and, and listen and, and, and write books that you can sell. And there's ways to actually even start communities where you could sell um, your intellectual property for a positive purpose to, to, let's say, to promote pathology to our young children, to show them how beautiful pathology could be so that the field could be highlighted. Right. But that's more innovative. Like no one really is doing it. But to me, it's clear as day that this is where the future is headed. And what I'm trying to help people to do is to actually do this because we're increasingly living online. And so why not start to put what we can out there so that we can promote positive messages? So and, and in doing that, we're actually helping our field because we're increasing our value in real life when we're building online property that's valued. Does okay. that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. So then what about the, the control part as far as regaining control? How does the online brand then, how does promoting yourself online help you to regain control? So a simple way that I view it is just that when you're building an online brand that's valued and when that's increasingly valued, right? You're more known and your name carries more weight with it, right? You're almost like a, 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 a sort of a celebrity of some, some sort. Hopefully not one that's built on extremes, right? You're not a celebrity because of your extreme opinions, but maybe you're a celebrity just because you're like creative or because you are a role model in your field or because you help others, et cetera. And then companies that you could work for would, for example, want to hire you more. So you can negotiate for higher amounts when you come to the negotiating table. Or if you want to start your own practice, now you can, because maybe you can, there would be a line out the door if you were to open up a local practice. You're, you wouldn't have to worry about patient load because the patients already know where to find you. They already value your intellectual property online. And so there's no question to them that if you exist in the physical world, that they would want to visit you on a more personal level. Okay. One of the goals of, of this podcast is to bring more attention to pathology and lab medicine. And this is something I think we t touched on a little bit already, but so I'm using online branding and social media. I think that can actually help in this area as far as bringing attention to the field. Very much so, 100%. Um, I honestly believe that you can make anything shine online nowadays. So it's all about just careful curation, like thinking through how am I going to make what I want to make shine and spread and get amplified. So there's bad ways of doing it and there's good ways of doing it. There's doing it in extremes or there's doing it professionally where you're going to do it with thought around it and not try to not at least piss people off online. But 
you know, when you take something like pathology, I mean, there's a way to make it interesting and make it sexy. And I don't mean sexy in a raunchy kind of way. I mean, sexy in an interesting way. Right. You know, whether it's sharing images that are maybe doctored. I'm sorry for that pun, but but our <laughs> doctor, doctor did not give away like the identity of a person, whether or not you believe that an image violates HIPAA when shared. There's a way to doctor it and build a story around it or make it cool or make it beautiful so that people kind of want to visit your gallery, et cetera. So, yes, I think anything can shine online and pathology is certainly uh, one of those fields. Okay. You, you've mentioned this word a couple of times, uh, curating or curation mm-hmm. of, of the uh, information or the content. So what do, you, what do you mean by that? Like you don't post everything, but how do you decide what to post and what not to? I mentioned a lot because it's so important for physicians because what you just touched on, right? We are very private people. We also, social media can be extremely double-edged and there's a lot of negatives. So careful curation is important for self-preservation, really, as far as I'm concerned, um, because you want to protect yourself and you want to also make sure that you that your messaging flows and that it, it there's an endpoint goal to which you're building a path, right? Um, and so that mm-hmm. is curation. It's it's sometimes it's not listen, it could be about just posting photos of your family on Instagram, right? Because you get people interested in you. But I'm not sure that that's so curated at the end of the day, because curation means that you have a goal in mind and that you're actually building content towards that goal. So for example, I started out that way, but slowly I'm trying to sort of curate into being a healthcare social media expert and sprinkling in advice amongst sharing, but also curating that share to ensure that it makes sense. Maybe in my case to lend to the fact that I know how to edit content in a uh, visually stimulating way, because then maybe people will want to, will hopefully want to build series or courses with us, with SomiDocs. In a physician, from a physician's viewpoint, curation is about not violating HIPAA. And it's about being a bit more creative when you post, maybe editing in an in a more beautiful way than straight out, right? Just posting. Maybe thinking through posting and what angle you're going to post an image from. So maybe it's not so gory that it turns off your followers. But it's all of these really important thoughts that physicians don't usually think about from a marketing perspective. And that's what curation um, is important for. Okay. And that's something that that that's become your kind of, uh, I don't want to say field, but your sort of specialty then is how, how to do that curation. Oh, yeah. That's my forte. I, I specialize in it because I'm, I'm pretty creative as a human, but also have lived through being a doctor, right? I've, I was a practicing attending for around 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I know all the nuances, I know the lingo, et cetera. So I work really well with physicians, um, because of that reason. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, you, you, you know what it's like to, to be them so you can, you can help them and you can understand what they're, what they're going through. Completely. Yes. Right. Okay. You, you mentioned something earlier that Somi Docs series. Uh, can you, can you tell me about that? What is that project? Yeah. So series um, is almost like, I call it like a healthcare Netflix because it's just an easier way to visualize it. There are many projects that are meant to highlight a person, an entity, a message, a concept 
in a very organized way that flows. And Somidox is there to sort of help you to curate it, again, that word, right? To organize it in a way, because again, sometimes as a doctor, you're just busy or you don't want to spend your energy on creating a project like this. Um, so it's like a mini series, like a book with the chapters within it. They're just shorter chapters and, and we build it. And so, for example, we just had, um, Samuel Shem, the author of the house of God, got a series where he got to sort of do what he wanted, right? His goal was to talk about putting the human back into medicine and sort of also promote his new book. And so he got to do that in a series that we built for him. And then we also put out on Somidocs. But there's other series in the works as well. There's a series from a a written, it, and it's not all videos. It's videos or written. Shem's was video. It was also live, recorded live and transmitted live for audience interaction. We had a panel of physicians on that changed every single episode. We finished out a season one. We're getting ready to um, start season two. We also have written ones like there's a culinary medicine doctor that's going to um, feature a written series. There's a secrets of sleep physician who likes to focus on ancient wisdom. And so there are many projects like, like Netflix in a way, in a good way to sort of visualize it, that we then help you to build and debut on our website. Okay. And then are those available for anyone to, to watch or read? Or do you have to be a physician? So that's a good question. You know, as Somidox evolves, we keep trying to keep up with our demand and everything that we're doing so that it makes sense. Right now, as this podcast is recorded, it's available to anyone online in a public way. And the reason simple, it depends on the series, right? So in this series, for now at least, it was important for us to get that message out there and to have the discussion public because doctors aren't really having these open discussions publicly. And so Shem, especially, he likes to be called Shem, but he felt like it was important for him to have everybody kind of involved in this discussion. But it could be different with other projects. So it depends on what we're doing. So for example, I had a public lecture series called Even Doctors Need Life Lessons. And I worked really hard for that. And it's been public and it was aired live in a public way. But I'm definitely considering putting that behind the membership doors just because, you know, I, I am building out a membership with so many perks. And one of those is that you get to, you get to listen to lectures that are curated specifically for you. So, you know, as we build content and we have more and more to play with, there are some that will be publicly aired and there are some that will be specifically for people that opt in because it matches their interests. Then the last question I have for you, in addition to, I mean, obviously you're trying to grow Somi Docs as much as you can. In addition to that, what what other projects do you have coming up in the future? I mean, I know you're interested in art and in photography. Do you have anything in maybe in those areas coming up? On a per, I have a personal brand called Dr. Coriel. Um, I just don't have much time to develop that. But yeah, for that, I always wanted to just somehow curate series of photos and content in a way that is that makes sense in projects. So I might still do it. But really, my focus right now is on Somidocs and growing it in a nice way. And so the projects coming up for that are that we have several series coming out that are new, including an innovator series for those that are listening that want to be 
to see what other innovators are doing. It's also actually helping doctors to actually brand and figure out how they can do that in unique ways. And so we've got membership that we're figuring out and really getting to be packaged up really nicely. So an ongoing membership, which is a larger way to learn, and then also smaller ways to learn and a new project called the Incubator Accelerator Project, where you get to sort of opt into a smaller setting of not only growth, but of either learning or um, increasing followership through uh, facilitated uh, ways uh, that SoMeetDocs has created. So. Okay. Okay. Looking forward to, to those things. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to mention before we wrap up? I think the takeaway for your listeners is just, I would love to get physicians to think past the box um, that we've been put in traditionally. Um, I think medicine is really a beautiful field, but in the last few years, I really do think that there's been a significant change as to our being able to properly heal because of all of the regulations and everything that have fallen on us. So my point to your listeners is just, you know, if you have an itch to explore or to do something differently, don't be convinced that you can't just because you have a medical degree, be convinced that you can because you have a medical degree, because you are probably likely to innovate in such a beautiful way and in such a more impactful way than others. And so I encourage you to look into SOMIDOCs and start sort of opening up your eyes to see what's out there and to being involved. That's great advice. Dr. Donna Coriel, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you inviting me here. Big thanks to Dr. Donna Coriel. Now, her focus is on doctors, but I think that the these lessons about curating an online presence can be applied to just about any of us. You'll find links in the show notes to everything we talked about today. That's at peopleofpathology.podbean.com. And of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at People of Path, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Oh, by the way, there's going to be a full-time PA position opening up at St. Mary's Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin, which is not far from where I live. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can email the department manager and find out more about that. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. And you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast. And now here's a trailer for my interview with Dr. Rodney Rohde. But what I continually talk about and try to remind people is that's true in some places, but what's happened is over the years is that the laboratory has been one of the primary cuts um, when it's come to budget and reimbursement and things like that. So what we've done, and this is kind of unfortunate, but it's a pat on the back, is we've learned how to deal with it. I mean, we do more with less. Right. We have Our professionals are trained to to juggle a ton of things at one time. I mean, we had great students become great professionals. And, you know, they're used to this. They're used to uh, handling emergencies and juggling. 
different parts of the lab and, and prioritizing specimens and which ones to do first and all those things. All on top of validating, you know, new assays and new equipment and making sure everybody understands that you just can't throw in a test and start using it. So we're kind of the gatekeepers of quality. Um, and we often call ourselves the doctor's doctor. I mean, we are there to provide the critical information for patient care. To hear more from Dr. Rohde, check out episode number 14 of the People of Pathology podcast.